Amen. Please be seated. And I want to open up in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1. For those of you here for the first time, we're going through the Bible book by book. And we've come all the way up actually to 1 and 2 Samuel, which I'll, I'll come to in a moment. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. You just have that open. Years ago, I decided that I was going to grow in God. I was going to advance my Christian life. Have you ever been there? Amen? <laughs> Anybody? Have you ever been there? You, you wake up and you feel that you're going to change things. I'm going to take my Christian life seriously. That's it. And I really meant that. I actually went to a conference in a place in Ireland called Carrigeden. And I was in that conference and things were going very well. And in the midst of the conference, I was so moved, so touched, and, and just could feel the anointing, you know? And I, I wanted to be alone with God. I got in my car, and I drove off. I pulled over at the side of a motorway, and I said, God, hallelujah, I really feel your presence. And I really think, you know, we can take it from here. And I think maybe the things I've messed up, and the thing, blah, 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 it's going to be good, God. And you know what? God spoke back to me. I almost felt like his hand against my chest, saying, you're going nowhere. I could feel it. I, I, rebuke is too strong a word, admonishment. Or shut your mouth, you know? And I sat there and I, I could feel the displeasure of God. And I sought him. I said, God, I'm seeking you with all my heart. I want to move on. What's wrong? And you know what? To my astonishment, he spoke to me. And he, he said a, a ridiculous thing to me. He said, when you were a child, you disrespected your father. And you have never repented fully of that. And I thought, but we're not talking about that, God. We're not talking about that. We're talking about going on in the kingdom. We're talking about all this. What do you want to bring that up now for? It was a good day. And I, I suddenly realized, listen folks, I came, I journeyed in my Christian life to the point of my growth. You have a point. You have a point at which you will stop. And you don't choose it. You don't get to choose the point or the issue. God does. And he puts his finger on it. And you may say, well, God, I want to deal with this, or God, I want to deal with that. And you might get surprised when he says, well, actually, what I want to deal with in you is this. Huh, I didn't want to deal with that, God. And up until that moment, actually, I thought I had a fantastic relationship with my father. In fact, to all appearances, I did. But I had to repent, you know. In fact, I told you. I went home, and I said, Jeanette, you stay in the living room. I need to talk to my aged father. And I took him into his bedroom, and I got down on my knees. And that's as far as I got, because I just started to cry. And he didn't know, what's all this about? What's... I blabbered, and I cried my heart out, just saying, sorry, Dad, for any bad attitudes or anything that was in me. 
It was only a kid, so please forgive me. And of course, he did, a very gracious man. Today's topic, today's point, is the point of your growth. There is one. Maybe like me, you don't know what it is. Maybe like me, you're beating the wind and and thrashing away on something that God's not actually dealing with right now. And it can be a little bit of the explanation why sometimes it seems like you're just treading water, going around in circles, because God is maybe, if you like, put you on hold until, until you're ready. He knows what you need. He knows what will bring forth acceptable, good, and pleasing fruit from you. And I don't believe I do. And as we looked last couple of weeks, we looked at Judges and Ruth. Remember, they were one book, not two. They're just split up in your Bible because that's how they produced it. It's the same with these next two books. One and two Samuel were one book. And they cover a period of about 150 years These books are packed with stories, particularly Sunday school stories like the calling of Samuel and Samson and Goliath and David and his encounter with Bathsheba, etc., etc. And they're, they're absolutely awesome, fantastic books, adventure stories. But human nature is a funny thing. If I asked you, when I say the name Samson, what do you remember? Shout it out. About 50 50, that's just about perfect. Okay? Human nature is a funny thing. Some will see the victory, and some will see the defeat. Some it's glass half empty, and some it's glass half full. And as we journey through 1 and 2 Samuel, I think it's a very good time just to stop. Because by this stage, we have already seen many men of God. And there's beginning, (laughs) you're beginning to see a pattern. You're beginning to see a pattern that is common to men and women. You're beginning to see a pattern evolve, and it's this. Start well, fall over, get picked up by your daddy, pushed back out, fall over, picked up. But at a certain point, as you'll see in a moment, at a certain point in each one of those great men, shall we say, men of a great God, In each one of those men who came to know God, at a certain point, there was that change in them. That destruction of something and the the raising up of someone new. Great thing. But all I'm saying, folks, at this point, we need to stop a minute and don't just carry on reading. There's a pattern here. And the pattern is this. Get saved. Start very well. Fall over. (laughs) Get picked up. Brush down. Fall over get picked up. But I want to get to the last bit, you know, that one great thing about the Bible is it never hides the truth, amen? It tells you the whole thing. That's the difference between the Bible and the Quran. The Quran is the the, the Bible with the bad bits taken out, like nobody ever does anything wrong. And, And we need to read it the way it's written. We need to read it the way it's being given to us. God tells you the whole story. He tells you the whole story. And folks, I'm sorry, but the age in which we live, there's, there's a lack of honesty. And there's quite a lot of masks, facades, call it what you want. It, it is our age. 
And sometimes I, it's, it's, it's incredibly refreshing to get amongst maybe heroin addicts or, or whatever, because there can often be stark truth, you know? A type of truth, an honesty, that maybe is not so common currency among us here. And certainly it's, it's worse in some cultures than others. But the Bible never does that. When you get somebody's testimony, what do you get in the Bible? You get the whole story. You get every fantastic, wonderful thing, and you get every sordid detail. I have several emails over the last few years, people ringing me up, and they're furious, you know, they hear the radio program or they see the TV program, and they say, you talked and you told a story about so... Oh, sorry, sorry. You know? And my reply normally to people like that, I don't mean to, I try to change names... And I tried to do this, but you know what my reply is? Okay, I'll talk to Leanne, and we'll alter that in the book, or we'll alter that on the program. But you know what I really think? I think, you fool. Imagine Samson saying, God, just tell them half the story. How would you be edified by that? That's not a testimony, that's a joke. It's not the truth, is it? You see? And although I don't say it, I'm saying it to you. The whole story, the true story, the testimony, your testimony. It has wonderful moments, folks. But it has moments of complete disaster. Can you say amen? And that's the truth of us all. We can be wonderful and terrible. When you're good, you're very, very good. And when you're bad, you're awful. Do you remember that? <laughs> My mother used to say that to me, right? But it's, it's, it's true. It's, it's the best and the worst. And I, the, the good thing about Scripture is that God gives you the whole story and He expects you to read from and learn the whole thing because it's all beneficial. It's supposed to make you feel like it's you. It's supposed to make you feel like you're looking in a mirror and say, that's me, that's me. That's the point. But it's no good if we just, if I shout out Samson, and you're only going with victory. I shout out Samson, you're only going with failure. No good. Realism is the best place to be. And basically, coming all this way up to 1 and 2 Samuel, I guess the bottom line is this. It has become blatantly obvious, folks, in what we have studied up until now, this fact. All human beings have got great strengths and great weaknesses. Everybody has got great strengths and great weaknesses. And guess what? The strengths that you have have been given to you by God, yes, to advance your life, but particularly to be used in the kingdom and the purposes of God on earth. And the weaknesses that you have have also been given to you or left in you by God. Both strengths and weaknesses are of His selection. The strengths to advance you, to advance the kingdom. What about the weaknesses? Well, the weaknesses that are in you, the same as these men, the weaknesses are intended really to be the thing that drives you to God. And if you can accept it, and if you can see it, 
and read it and understand it, you will see that those men, and the reason they're in your Bible, is at a certain point, they were men who overcame all weaknesses within them and actually crossed a line. Right? And it's fantastic. Wonderful. You have strengths and you have weaknesses. And the Apostle Paul is, is a great example of this. Wonderful. Now, did Paul have strengths? Cool. 16 books of your Bible, friend, came through Paul. Oh, my life. Paul was just, you know, incredible. Five times the 39 lashes. Five times beaten like that. Goodness me. And an incredible individual. And Paul, great strengths? Absolutely. But Paul had terrible weaknesses. And he says, he tells us, doesn't he? I cried out to God. I cried out to God, take this thorn from my flesh. He says, three times I asked God. And God spoke back to me and he said, no. No, I won't. It's my design. It's my plan. It's my way. Because you, Paul, have the potential to be a very proud man. And he said, Paul said, because of the exceedingly great revelations that were given to me, God left a thorn in my flesh. And basically, that was God's way of weakening Paul so that Paul had to run to him. Do you understand? Paul had to go to God. So God was really kind by leaving the weakness in Paul. But the punchline is, folks, Paul had to overcome his weakness. That's the punchline. That's the bottom line. Paul had to overcome that weakness in order to get into the kingdom. I told you about my cat. It's a good analogy. When, when, when James was at home, Jeanette and James would feed the cat, and then it comes to nighttime, and, and my cat won't come in, and there's a lot of foxes around, you know, and foxes sometimes eat cats, you know. So I, like, kind of frightened for her, and I made a plan to weaken her. And so I would say to Jeanette, don't feed the cat, and to James, don't feed the cat. Don't feed the cat. Don't feed the cat. And she began to get weaker. Do you know what? The weaker she got, the safer she was. The weaker she got, and then when it came to nighttime, bedtime, I would open the door, shake the biscuits, and she come. The weakness caused her to seek me, caused her to run to me when I called. And we're no different. It's the same for you, friend. And God does weaken us, like Jacob's hip. Strange encounter with God. Imagine walking into an encounter with God and coming out with a limp. Kind of funny, right? But the, God's saying something there. He was blessing Jacob, helping Jacob. So not a complicated message this morning, but an important one if you intend to grow, if you're sincere about growing. The first point, very simple. You need to recognize that you actually have got strengths. That's great, no problem. But you also have many weaknesses. That's biblical. There's lots of other people before you. And God gives you a great prescription about how to deal with those weaknesses. It is your... Remember, if I had two sheets up here, you know. There's things that God does and there's things that you do. There's things that God does and there's things He will never do for you. 
And that's really the heart of this this morning. It's over to you. You need to deal with this. And number one, very simple, you need to recognize that you both have strengths and weaknesses. But some Christians can be so touchy that when you try to tell them that they're doing something wrong or their attitude is wrong or this is wrong, man. Amen? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder how God feels about me if I don't police, police govern my weaknesses. Last Sunday night was awesome. I thought the presence of God was fantastic. Had several words from the Lord. At one point, I don't want to go on about the riots, but (laughs) you know in the riots that happened over the last few weeks, one of the worst moments for me was when I saw the police, man, and the police were standing in a line and they started, where was it? I think it was Wandsworth. Was it one of the areas of London? And the rioters came up. They set fire to the building. And the police don't know if there's anybody in the building. And the police didn't move. Did you see that? God, I screaming. What are you, what, 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 what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? For heaven's sake, those guys just set a building on fire. You don't know if there's people sleeping and you stand there. I don't care about your orders. Stuff the orders. Get in and move the rioters. You're a human being. You can say amen. 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 Crazy, crazy stuff. But listen, folks. Oh, last Sunday night when we were praying, I just saw that. I saw the police standing doing nothing and I felt God say to me, that's how I feel about you. Huh? When you don't pray. When you do nothing. When the church sits idly by, that's how you make me feel. The way you feel. When you give up on prayer or you abandon it and you don't do the work that I left you in the world to do. That's how you make me feel. I thought, God. It wasn't a rebuke. It was an information, if you like. God, may we never do that. May we never do that. And as we prayed, as we continued to pray, I almost saw the sky open up, you know, and light come through. And I felt God say, saying, I've heard you tonight. I've heard your prayers. And I'm moving and healing and answering you. And you say, thank you, God. Sorry. Let me be on my guard. Let me be the police of this nation, the spiritual police of this nation as well. So recognize, point one, recognize that we all have strengths and weaknesses. I was with one man and I had waited a long time. He had an anger problem, a severe anger problem. He had actually stabbed a woman, I think 98 times. He had done 11 years. He got out and blah, blah, blah. I won't mention his name. So he's there and he's still furiously angry, you know, getting in all sorts of trouble in his life. And I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited because he's too immature. He's just a big baby. Too immature to talk to, you see? But this one day I felt the time was right. And I started to just get the surgeon's knife out, you know? I said, you know what? Can I just tell you about you? You know what you've got? You've got one massive anger problem. And all the way back, 
When you stab that woman and everything since, anger's controlling your life. And he started to boil, go red, and he ended up leaning across the table and, you know, spitting into my face and saying, I haven't got an anger problem! <laughs> See? <laughs> Told you. Crazy. But not willing, even though it's so blatantly obvious, not willing to accept it. And so you're stuck. You're stuck. And his life is stuck and will not move from that point. And neither will yours. Now, if I ask you to shout out your strengths, we'll be overwhelmed. But if I ask you to shout out your weaknesses, you need to listen for the whimper. Amen? Amen. Because we are concerned about how we look in the eyes of others. And the truth, though we may sing about it, preach about it, talk about it. The fact is, the real truth, the whole testimony, your whole story, is probably, in most cases, something you would maybe rather people didn't see. But for the glory of God, maybe one day you say, do you know what? Like Elson is going to do tonight. I'll tell my whole story when he came from being a gang member to a transformation. Fantastic. Your testimony is a powerful, powerful thing. Should be told from a point of victory, by the way. We'll get to that in a moment. Billy Graham once said, the three big things, the three big sins that kill people, ruin people's lives are money, sex, and pride. And the devil will try those three things, money, sex, and pride, he will try them in all manner of ways and maybe switch between the three to try and either wind you up or to pull the rug from under your feet. But those three in many different forms and in many different guises are the central to the battle of your life. Tell me, are you proud? Are you proud or is it okay to receive correction? That's a massive one. What about lust? The lust of the flesh. I'll come back to that in a moment. What about avarice or finances? And that's why Stefan did what he did on Friday night because we're placing the finances within everybody's life. Entrepreneurialism, because I believe God spoke to us, Jim, a couple of weeks ago about that. He wanted on Friday, we were praying for all those with a business mind within the church to receive the spirit of entrepreneurialism in the last days. It's a, I believe there's a particular blessing, a particular specific thing that God was pouring out there. We've got to take it seriously. Spiritual pride, for example, is a terrible thing. You know, money, sex, and pride are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Remember, many people, listen to me, listen very carefully, many people defeat the world, but they lose in the flesh. Or they defeat the flesh and they lose in the world. Or they lose in the world and they're beaten by the devil. There's actually three prongs that the Bible speaks for your life. And you must deal with all three. Now, God is a very gracious God. He's incredibly easy to please, but He's impossible to satisfy. Easy to please, because he will not demand, in my opinion, too much of you. He will ask you today for something. 
He will ask you to face this issue or that issue in your life. The point of your growth. And I pray that He reveals that to you. Might be something you never thought of. Might be something, you know, in the recesses of your mind or something you've put away because you believe you'll never have victory in this or this will never be right in my life or whatever. But let God tell you, give Him a blank sheet and ask Him, Father, what would, what would you say to me? You see, for example, I had a guy who was defeated in the flesh. I was going to see him. He was completely destroyed in the flesh. And do you know how? Because he was full of pride. And the devil got him full of pride, and then he couldn't see his own problems. And he was destroyed. He was in a right mess, you know. I went to visit him at home, and he's smoking away there. Lots of cans of beer. Three or four remote controls. You know the story. <laughs> Hello, Pastor Mike. And as I sat and, and, and talked to him, about what? About the devil? No! About his flesh. His reply to me was very simply this. Oh, Pastor Mike. Satan. That's what it is. It's the devil. All week, been after me. All week. Do you know what it is? You know Revelation? You know the shaggy goat and the prince of Persia? I think it's the shaggy goat, the prince of Persia, and the devil. They're all here. All these mad, concocted, weird, crazy stuff. And I had to say, do you know what? Do you know what it is? It's not the world. And it's not the devil. It's actually your flesh. It's the point of your growth. It's the point of your growth. And you need to address that very simply. And the great thing about following these characters through Scripture is you will see that each of them actually came to that point of growth, and I hope that you do this morning. Before we move on from the flesh bit, listen, folks, your flesh is not a demon, so I can't drive it out. Okay? So you can't come forward and say, pray for me, drive my flesh out. I would have to kill you. Okay? What do you do to the flesh? Crucify it is the only thing the Bible says. And that's what David didn't do in 2 Samuel when he sinned with Bathsheba. He hadn't already crucified his flesh, and so he fell for the sin. Same with Samson, incidentally. Samson fell for the sin, had his eyes poked out, his hair cut off, and then what did Samson say? Anybody remember? Amazing line. What did he say? Anybody know? It's, it's, it's awesome. Listen carefully. It says... They blinded him, they cut his hair off, they tied him to the mill, and the Bible says this, then Samson prayed. Too late. Too late, Samson. You were supposed to pray here. You were supposed to crucify the flesh. Right? And many of these guys, whether it's Moses, what was Moses' problem? Anger. Moses had a massive problem with anger. He kills the Egyptian. He messes up his life for 40 years. There's only actually one person in Scripture who doesn't, one human being who makes no mistakes. <laughs> Who's that? No, not Jesus. Yeah, of course, Jesus, but you know what I mean. It's a, a person. Joseph. Joseph's an Old Testament 
picture of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, he made plenty of mistakes, folks. But for that reason, the Bible gives you him as an example of someone who didn't make obvious mistakes. So point one, very simple, folks. I just want you to acknowledge this morning that you have strengths and weaknesses. Point two, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one. If you don't deal with them, they just might destroy you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and see the word the in your Bibles. Just underline that if you've got a pen or remember it. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily tangles. There are three words for sin in the Bible, three tenses, the, the, the plural sins. Their sin is a principle, but neither of those are this word here. This word here, folks, is the singular, very seldom used, the singular and individual sin, one sin, one particular sin. And I want you to see something. This is talking about running your race. It's talking about advancing your Christian life. And what does the writer to the Hebrews say? How do you do that? You find the point of growth. And it will be different for all of us. Find the sin that so easily entangles and deal with that. And that's very simply, I believe, what God would say to us and encourage us to do this morning. I looked around this week and under point two there, I've given you five or six different reasons why great men and women fall both in the Bible and around the world. A sense of entitlement was a huge one. You see, David definitely had a sense of entitlement. After all, he was the king. He was in charge, right? And he had got hyper-spiritual. He had got high and lofty, parading on the balcony, remember, of his palace. And he made some very big mistakes. David definitely had a sense of entitlement. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want. There's a woman, there's Bathsheba. Someone else's, well, it doesn't matter. Kill him. That's a sense of entitlement that's gone absolutely bonkers. And it didn't start there. That would have had a history. And it's not just David, but many others make that mistake. Not keeping a balanced life or surrounding yourself with yes men. I hate yes men. Amen? <laughs> I do. I don't like yes men. I, I, I pr- much prefer just nice and simple and let's say it as it is. I remember when Fred and Praveen first came to the church and they were visiting a couple of times and I, I, I went to preach for them. And at, <laughs> Parveen came up to me at the end. And she said, you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't have done that. And why did you do that for? And we told you about that. Why did you do it? I thought, oh, okay, okay. And I remember thinking, you two want a job? Because that's good. Do you want to come and join us? Because it's great when you can just say it like it is and, and give correction. That's a blessing. The Bible doesn't speak very well of friends who don't correct, right? That's real friendship when someone can come and help you. Yes, men around you, whether it's your family or your friends, are no good. You need someone who's going to deal with the issues in your life. Come on. That's a friend. That's a true friend. That's a biblical friend. That's not a yes man or a yes woman or a yes mate. Not coming under true accountability. And of course, in point E, David had nothing to do. Idleness will lead to sin, folks. Boredom leads to sin. Right? We've spent a whole day on that once, remember? 
Boredom is a dangerous thing, especially men. Men are the leaders. A man without a vision is a dangerous thing, right? Because the devil makes work for idle hands and idle tongues. Share the gospel and quit gossiping. Amen. Right? Idle tongues, idle minds, idle lives, idle minds. If you're, if you're not occupied with the things of God, fiery darts, Paul calls them, you'll start putting crazy thoughts in your head. You need to learn to, you know, to deal with them. Point three. So n- number one, recognize that we all have strengths and weaknesses. No problem. Number two, if you don't deal with them, don't be surprised if they kill you, if they destroy you, and it doesn't matter how small they might seem to you, but anything that's tolerated in your life will eventually build up and may just turn out to bite you. I smoked for 10 years, folks. I smoked and drank like a fish. And, but you learn afterwards. You lo- I, I, I look back and you kind of learn later. And I have a lot of patience and mercy with people. Don't judge smokers, friends. Don't judge smokers. Don't be so harsh on them. Happens a lot in churches because people go outside and smoke, you know. It's better that they're here. Hello. Better that they're here, isn't it? Hi. Better that they're here. And anyway, as I remember, we had the integrity thing. Remember the integrity triangle, the iceberg? The bit that's on the top when it's separated? You see, if what you present is not the real you, that makes me a, oh yeah, hypocrite. But if the person outside is actually smoking and it's who they are, they're not actually a hypocrite, right? Do you follow? So they're actually being true to themselves as much as we want to help that and you just need to see it in the proper light. That's all. Be careful of anything in your life that repeats itself. Look at me, please. I'm getting to the hub of it. Be careful of any sin in your life that repeats itself. Because if something gets you again and again and again and again, do you know what that is? That's a strategy. That's a strategy. It's a strategy to make you numb to that particular sin. And the end is normally not good. I had a friend when I worked in the hospitals. Her name was Jane. She had an anger problem. But her husband was a bodybuilder. A big, 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 big man. And Jane got away with her anger. The first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. But all the time, the devil's just, okay, carry on, Jane. Because one day, I'll get you. And Jane went through, and I worked with her a couple of years, and she would have all sorts of issues, but no one quite controlled her anger. What, she, she married this guy, and one night he didn't come home. He went to the pub. And her husband came in, happy, you know, I don't know. He opened the door, and Jane went, <laughs> brave woman, Sla- slapped him across the face. I remember her coming in and telling me what he did. He just stood, moved me out of the way, went upstairs, packed his bags, and never came back. 
And I, I tell you, I knew that girl very well. And I was very sorry for her. And she was broken heart. What did I do? Why did I not just control my temper? Stupid! He won't talk to me. I'm trying to get him to come back. I felt so, so... One second. How long does it take to ruin your life? One second. One second. But you see, the repeated nature of that anger problem had actually built that lady to another friend of ours that we worked with, came from a wealthy background. His name was Mark. He was banging up on heroin. And he came to KeepNet, our, our, our church in... Dublin. And Mark was an intelligent guy, a good guy, and, and, but he just got addicted to heroin. And we warned him, we did cold turkey with him, I think three times. That's where you stay up all night and help a person sweat it out. Listen to me. One day, Mark went out and he bought a bag of heroin. It looked like every other bag he had ever had. Pulled it up, put it in his arm, dead. You see, repeated sins numb you. They numb you to any sense of conscience, but there's a strategy behind it. The point on that day was that Mark would not have a... I have no doubt that God would have been shouting, that one's going to kill you! But by that stage, he was so numb. That's how Israel got cut off, remember? Israel were cut off because God had numbed them. And so it is with you or I in in, in smaller or greater ways. I simply want you to know this this morning, folks. Very simple. All of these guys that we have been studying, whether it's Moses or Abraham or Jacob or Isaac or David, they all came to a point in their lives. And this is the last point, the good news. Hallelujah. They all came to the point where they realized that they had a responsibility and the good news of the gospel was that God could deal with them and deal with you. And I want you to know this morning, and please hear me, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these words enter your heart right now. And it's this, listen to me. God will help you. God will strengthen you. God will take you from faith to faith and from glory to glory He has a long track history of doing exactly that. He has dealt with people a thousand times worse than you. You're not a shock to him. You're not a surprise to him. He knows you through and through. And today will take you just the way you are, just the way you've come. But, as I mentioned at the beginning, he will deal with you at the point of his choosing. Believe me. Look at this. Get your Bible and turn to Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. Look at this. I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 24. I want you to see this written down. Matthew 21 and 23. I'll start there. Matthew 21, 23. Matthew 21, 23. Jesus entered the temple courts and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. If you answer me, this is a a deal here, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? 
they discussed it amongst themselves. And they, and they said, if we say it's from heaven, he will ask then, why didn't you believe him? But if we say it's from men, we're afraid of the people. For they say that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. <laughs> and then Jesus said, look at this, neither will I answer you. My point is, folks, you see, when I wanted to grow and I went to God, I had things that were, I was asking him, let's do this, God, let's do that, God. And God said, no, first, first, I have a question for you, your father and your attitude to him. If you repent before me, then I will answer your question. But I choose the point of your growth. And all I'm saying this morning, folks, is I want you to find it. That's it. Find the point of your growth. Let God dictate that to you. Let him give it to you. As I say, he has a long track record of helping people. Think of Elijah. He finished extremely well. God sent him a taxi, right? And brought him up to heaven. After many a bumpy road. Think of the apostle Peter. A bumpy life, but a glorious end where he said, turn the cross upside down, remember? And on and on it goes. And so it is with Samson. And I hope, my friends, so it is with you. I want to give you a moment this morning to, to seek your heart, to seek God's word to you. Hallelujah. Just keep your head bowed and stay focused. Thank you, Lord. Father, the Bible says that it will be good for us if we are found working and waiting when you return. It will be good for us if we're found in a good place when Christ returns. And I pray for all of us here this morning. Father, bring us to the point of our growth and we give you full permission. Amen, folks? Give God full permission to put his finger on your point of growth. Holy Spirit, cover this place. And speak to every person. I pray that we will all grow. Strength to strength. Glory to glory.